this is Jason, and welcome to Stand By for Paradise. I woke up to the stern note of my phone alarm. The sparse room was still dark, with only the blue beam of a streetlight shining down the wall and slicing across the square ceiling exactly where it had been when I fell asleep a few short hours before. Outside it was morning in name only. The long, damp winter night was not yet willing to end. The wide bed nearly filled the tiny room, with only a thin band of dated hunter green carpet hemming it in. On the far side of the bed, my traveling attire was still laid out neatly. I had slept so soundly that I had hardly moved all night. I had been awake during the entire flight from Singapore, and by the time I oozed through the door into this hotel room, there was nothing left to do but collapse. I fumbled for the light outside the bathroom. With the flick of a switch, the calculated blandness of a prefab Japanese hotel bathroom suddenly came into view. Everything was that color of beige that isn't so much a color as a mood, a flattening out of all aesthetic attempt. It is the dry saltine of colors. The curves of the tub flowed smoothly and uninspiringly into the base of the toilet, and then onto the bulge that served as the sink pedestal. The only other colors in the room were the alarming red X's and reassuring green O's on the signs proclaiming how one should, or should not, use the various functions of the magical Japanese washlet toilet. I shuffled over and turned on the shower. Sitting down next to the alarmingly small shower curtain that seemed eager to spill water everywhere, I stared blankly at the little aluminum caution sign. Japanese kanji on top, English in the middle, little pictures at the bottom. It was fastened to the wall with impossibly tiny, neat little screws. Finally, the shower was hot, so I stepped in. Then, it was scalding. I swore and spun the knob back the other way. Instant ice water. Next to the sink, there was another little sign. Kanji on top, English in the middle, little pictures at the bottom. As I brushed my teeth, I let the delightfully awkward English translations drift over the surface of my mind like tufts of low winter clouds over the stubble of dry, empty fields. I dressed mechanically in the light spilling out of the bathroom, one wide golden beam crossing the sharp blue streak coming through the curtains. I put my clothes on with the same motions and the same layers as I did every big travel day. It was always a t-shirt, Oxford, sport coat, and scarf. It pays to look professional when traveling abroad, even if you were tucked well back in coach, as I usually am. Quickly the moment came when hot from the shower and suddenly wearing too many layers, I hurried to round up charging cables, took a last look under the bed, tossed back the covers and shouldered my bags before I broke into a full sweat. At last I slipped on my shoes by the door, teetering under the weight of my luggage. Why was this room suddenly so hot? Out in the hall, it was dead silent. The precision and regularity of this hotel was bewildering. I was the only person in the deserted hallways. On my way to the elevator, I actually staggered for a moment, mistaking a set of open fire doors in the hallway for a mirror. 
The doors to the rooms were so perfectly spaced, the walls so white and barren, and the lighting so uniform, you could not tell the difference between the real and the reflected. I waited for the elevator alone. Far off down the hallway, a door slammed with the definitive force hotel room doors use to urge you onward. Your stay is over, they say with a resounding thud. In the cold metal box of the elevator, I stared sleepily at myself in an oversized video monitor. There was a security camera in the elevator, which is not surprising, but I wondered what had happened to make it necessary to show the occupants of the elevator that they were being watched. The strangely dystopian moment fit right in with the empty hallways and the sunless morning outside. The doors opened at last to a view of the front desk. The morning staff were there in the same places as last night's tired but courteous versions. Like fresh flowers dropped into old vases, the morning shift was dressed exactly like last night's, but tidier and somehow smiling more genuinely. Little dots of businessmen in the short black trench coats of Japanese salarymen decorated the white tables of the breakfast area in the wide lobby. Through high windows, the empty sidewalk outside was bathed in the soft glow from the vertical hotel sign climbing three stories up the wall above the street. I placed my bag close to the food line where I could see it as I grabbed a plate. Everyone here looked safe, professional, and very sleepy. Still, the security setup in the elevator had me wondering. I glanced around again and ducked into line to see what was on offer. Pretzels. And not just pretzels, but yogurt, granola, muesli, apples, pastries. There was a wall of juices already poured in tidy little cups. There were bins of sausages of every description in the hot food line. Huge jugs of full-fat milk stood next to the cereal. Expansive, overflowing baskets of bread anchored the other end of the line. This was a proper European breakfast. And it may as well have been. After all, I was not in Tokyo, but in the Toyoko Inn next to the Hauptbahnhof in Frankfurt, Germany. Since my first time in town a decade earlier, this new hotel had been built specifically catering to Asian tourists and businessmen, right down to the bathrooms, imported in their entirety from Japan. I filled my tray with as much food as I could possibly eat in the short time I had before catching my train. It almost made me sad to pass by all the delicious options I would not have time to sample. An unmistakably Nordic man in the reflective safety clothes of a European construction worker sat down next to me without a nod. Down the table, two men in collared polos, each with a logo suggesting a wind energy company, chatted in rolling, percussive German. Above the clink of cutlery and the dull mutter of conversations, you could hear the music so common to Asian hotel lobbies, soothing solo piano covers of current American pop songs. I hurried through my breakfast, irritated I had not been able to awaken earlier. I barely made a dent in the vast buffet, and this was my only morning at the hotel. After putting my tray in the dish rack Americans only see at college cafeterias or Ikea, I tightened my jacket and stepped out into the gray light of a winter morning in Europe. I walked a short block down to the tracks and turned right toward the entrance to the train station. The streets were entirely empty in the growing light. In the vacant station, no announcements were being made, 
my train would leave from the second track, and the walk was shorter than I expected. Still thinking of the tantalizing breakfast I had hastily abandoned, I had time to take in the vast mechanical authority of the station hall. Only the sharp pop and hiss of automatic train doors broke the silence as passengers smoked their last cigarettes and prodded insolently at the green ring buttons of the train doors. Behind the blunt, powerful bulk of the train across from mine, I could hear the energetic whoosh as another live electric machine squirted off out of the station and into the cold air. With a little time to spare, I ambled back and forth along my empty platform until there was only a moment left before departure. One lone sunbeam found its way through the towering windows facing the plaza outside. It was a square, stoic pillar of light that fit the industrial aura of the station perfectly. Late-arriving passengers puffed out breath-like smoke as they passed through the solitary patch of sun on their way to their trains in the damp cold. It was finally time to go. I boarded my nearly empty train car, feeling like an oaf as I tried to drop my bag and slide out of my jacket with the casual, silent precision of the locals. The car was so quiet, I could hear the crunching of a man chewing on a granola bar several rows away. From behind me came the dry rasp of someone's fingers sliding over the gray-white pages of the morning paper. Without a word, the doors closed at 8.01. The long, empty train slid out into the white winter sun. There was nothing but walls and wires and graffiti for the first few minutes. Soon, the shuttling and rocking of crossing tracks ended and we picked up speed into the flat fields of the German countryside. We were off to Heidelberg, then south toward the Alps. Italy was waiting for me at the other end of this train ride. I was uncertain what life held for me there, but that was becoming a theme these days. I had been on the road for weeks, and my wife and I had not spoken the entire time. I had left telling her I needed to go think things over, to leave a great darkness from the past on the far side of the world where it could never find us again. As my train slid south into the low winter sun, I knew the flat predictability of the German countryside would soon give way to the turbulent peaks and treacherous rocks of inhospitable mountains. On the other side of the Alps lay the sun and adventure of a new and beautiful country I had never seen. Over the last few months, my wife and I had sped out of the flat predictability that had characterized our marriage and now found ourselves in the perilous and uninviting cliffs of uncertainty and tension. What kind of life lay beyond was anyone's guess. For the moment, though, there was only the clicking of the train wheels and the hay bales in the fields passing by the windows. They were all wrapped in white plastic for the winter, and we passed row after row of them, all looking like enormous marshmallows the size of smart cars lying on the bright carpet of green winter wheat. This is Stand By for Paradise, a little show made by me, Jason Fleming. You can read the full text of each episode, as well as see pictures from these stories at standbyforparadise.com. If you like the show, please share it with someone. If you love the show, you can support it on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.